Hey everyone, Alan Patterson here with another episode of Ladder Burners Unite. Today I'll be talking again to my colleague Kelly Norton and addressing two important communication mistakes uh, that leaders uh, can make. One has to do with the concept of how often should you be communicating with uh, other groups, other teams, and how no news is considered. I think you'll find this part really interesting. And the second piece that we'll uh, be talking about today is when you have the tendency to say, I know how you feel. Well, you really don't. And I think it's important to drill down on that one. So stay tuned. Join us for this episode, Ladder Burners Unite. Yeah, I would love to see, because I think this is this is also a great tie-in, Alan, is um, when you're not communicating at all. So, you know, not sharing news can be interpreted um, very badly across an organization if no communication is happening. And I think we have fewer, in some degrees, we have fewer opportunities for that, obviously, in person right now. Um, it, it just looks different. And so how do you envision communication not happening, not sharing news? What's the impact on how that's interpreted in an organization? My experience is uh, the human nature is uh, no news is bad news. That, that if I haven't heard from you, uh, something's going wrong. And I think from the other end, the people that are, let's say, working on the project could be making the assumption, well, I'll let you know when I get to a certain point. Um, and I think that's one of the biggest challenges I've seen, especially when you're working through problems or uh, initiatives or issues and even if I said, I'll call you next Wednesday, uh, you'll have the report next Wednesday that my leaving you a message, this could be a great email actually, and say, let me tell you where I am and things are running on track. And uh, let me know if you have any questions and, and we're still on schedule. Uh, whereas I think many people think that's just not necessary to do. I think it's a, uh, I think people are missing a very fundamental part of human nature, thinking that other people are assuming, well, no news is good news. And I, I found it to be just the opposite, that people anticipate the worst. Yeah, that's really interesting. So, and what do you think happens when people fear that? Do you think they clam up? Do you think they create their own dialogue? Are they creating their own story about what might be going on? A absolutely. I think, I, I think, and, and then it, when you get a response, how's it going? And you get a curt response, we're working on it or we're on schedule that, that people have missed, which is easy to do. There's an emotionality behind that that needs to be addressed. So even in the, without bullshitting, and if you're re, if there's reason to be positive and upbeat, that should come through. Not we're working on it because we're working on it. Sounds like you're bothering me. 
So I think the tone tone of those, I think, I don't think it's lost, Kelly. I don't think you lose anything by giving uh, an update or a check-in. Maybe you and I've had a discussion that was pretty tough and we said, look, let's get together. You know, once we have this data for my leaving you a voicemail that says, look, this was, you know, I know this, we both had questions. Um, how you doing or anything else pop up, whether you call me back or not, that's not the point. That touch point is really back to what I think the fundamental need is, and that's to maintain that level of engagement. And we get, I think people get stuck as in, in the news as being completely objective, devoid of emotion. I'm saying that's not it at all. It's staying in touch. Oh, what happens if things are really are, are turning south? I mean, maybe people are a little more aware they need to be in touch, but this constant communication makes that more, I, I think, easily understood. People may not like it, but when I call you now or leave you a message, say, look, we've hit a hitch. I need to talk to you about this. That's in the context of, I've let you know everything up to this point. And now, as opposed to, oh my God, something's wrong. Yeah. How about when um, a decision, there's a decision to be made and a decision hasn't been made yet? So it could be for a variety of reasons, whether we're still collecting information or data, um, or you know, we, we need to see how some other things play out in order to inform a decision, whatever that may be. What's the what have you seen is the downside of not telling people, hey, we still just haven't made a decision yet and just they, control? Yeah. The downside is they anticipate the worst, the worst possible outcome. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah, go ahead. I agree with that. And I think, you know, for whatever reason, that seems to be the communication we struggle with the most is telling people, um, telling people that we haven't we haven't made a decision and and i think that we so often want to deliver it all in a like nicely bundled right. package with a bow on it that we overthink the end game instead of thinking about people coming along on the journey yeah and i don't think there's anything wrong with telling someone hey we don't know yet or we're working through some things and we hope to have a decision by you know the end of next month it could be longer, but we will continue to keep you informed about where we are in the process. And I yeah. think people forget how important that is to bring folks along on the journey. Yeah. You know, this, uh, I've seen this with schools and I'm sure you're getting this from your children's school too. You know, if you said no, no news, no news is good news. You know, that's not the case that, that the, a reason to over communicate if that's what's happening. I think it's a proper level of communication is here's where we are this week. Here's where we are today. Here's what just happened. Uh, here's what's going to happen next. And when people, when it comes to decision-making, uh, there's nothing lost. I think, when you can tell people where you are in the process. It's not BS. You're not trying to dodge the issue. It's let me tell you where we are and let me tell you what where we're shooting to be by X. And to your point, you, you, you're going to hear this from me. I will keep you 
in touch with what's going on. I think the tougher issues, uh, Kelly, and I've seen this where their businesses are getting sold and the, the drums are beating loudly and the rumors are hot and heavy. And it's th those are harder to say, let me tell you where we are in the process. Or you may have heard, I think there, there's a reason why you're not communicating uh, as regularly as you might if it was solving a problem because you need to have firm answers for people knowing that that's, that that's going to be important to them. Mm -hmm. um, I think okay, that's you, said, you said something that I want to, I want to pick at a little bit. You mentioned about over communicating. Is there such thing as over communicating? Not, there isn't. I, I think, I think, no, there is no such thing as over communicating. I mean, some people can be uh, anal about it and, and, you know, do it morning, noon and night on the same and there'd be minute changes and things. Um, but I caution my, I, I recommend to my clients, I think what you're driving at is there, there is no over communication. You just have to put yourself in the seat of somebody receiving that communication. Um, right. So rather err on the side of communicating often, intentionally, uh, thinking about the message, yeah, then, then you know, assuming that they, they have enough. There's no assumption. So you, you raise a good point. It's the, the right. You, well, well put. That's, that's, that's the key is, what, is how you've described it. And I think that's a good recommendation on it. It's don't assume that people are thinking the, the best. They think, assume that people are thinking the worst. And yeah, what would right. you want? What would you want if you were on the other end of this? Mm -hmm. And the other piece of this, who needs to know? I often think that that's a misquestion. A mis and this is not reply all. It's like who would be the key people or groups that I'd want to make sure understood where things stood as we're moving forward, whether this is a CEO dealing with a big issue or whether this is a project manager just reporting the status of a project. Yeah, you know, there's another, um, just recently I had had a, an opportunity with a project to communicate things a little bit differently. And, and I think what, what I found in that process, Alan, is, is that there's a difference between communicating a position, a, um, the intentions or the timeline for a project, um, you know, because I always tell people, you've got to think about the why and the what that you're communicating. Why are we doing this? You know, what is it? You know, what is it and what isn't it? How are we going to get there? All of those things become very relevant, but I think far too often, and this could also relate back to our email conversation, we communicate via a tool that cast a wide web without opportunities for dialogue and engagement, and you miss something in that. Yeah. There, is, there is a lot of power in taking the time, and my goodness, does it take a lot of extra time, but to meet with all of those individual stakeholders, regardless of how much stake they have, in having a 20-minute conversation to walk them through the what, the why, and the how, and also to understand what questions they may have, what con concerns do they have, what barriers do they think you're going to run into in the process? All of that helps to influence and bring people along on the journey. And I think far too often we think that communication 
should exist in one form. You know, send an email, update everybody. Well, sometimes it's deeper than that. It's richer than that. And I think you, you grow relationships differently and garner trust differently when you're willing to take the extra time and the extra step to engage people one-on-one. Yeah. Well, and c- communication is two-way. That's what we've lost in a more tech, with more technical options. It's not one way. It's never one way. It may be delivered one way, but to your point, it's what does it take? You say, oh, can I afford, I'm, I'm, you know, can I afford spending 20 minutes with people? Let's get them on a Zoom call or a conference call or, or in the days when you could, and hopefully soon we'll be able to walk down the hall and set up something to say, let, here's where we are. Let me, let me hear your thoughts. Give me your, give me your questions around this. Uh, is is it it's it's back to to me to a very important less measurable aspect of what you're dealing with in any organization and that is uh, communication is what is how you how you engage people that mm-hmm. it's an art it's a science and it's an art and to see where these mistakes are made i think the impact is that people diminish their credibility and or, or easy way to say is their effectiveness especially if they're in a leadership position. So, yeah. Well, let's... The problem of uh, the concern, which I would say is the biggest mistake that I see with the greatest consequence. And that's that when people uh, are addressing uh, an audience, and I don't mean an audience of, of thousands, it could be an audience of one, that they're not communicating at the level of understanding of the person or people to whom they're talking. I see this a lot in technical environments where people will speak in jargon or where people will want to show how smart they are, sometimes by intent, sometimes because they don't know anything else, and the people to whom they're talking have no clue. And it's, it can sound condescending. It can sound dismissive because if you really cared, you would be speaking about this issue or this problem in, in the world with, that exists for the people to whom you're talking. So you're not talking, I don't know, uh, what, what's going on with the federal uh, budget or, or debt uh, when you're trying to address a position you're making as a, an organization, as a company, uh, as much as you would be talking about, here's how that decision impacts your paycheck or your family. Or uh, again, it's, as you've described, it's really that opening uh, that you're looking for and um, pe- people don't care how smart you are and people don't care how much you know so when you're looking to especially when you're looking to be influential it is absolutely essential fundamental that you're able to communicate with people at their level of understanding uh, to really show that you've taken the time to to uh, understand the world they're living in. Mm-hmm. You know, you said, you said the word care twice. And as you were saying it, that's exactly what I was thinking. But in a different way, I was thinking, 
when you do that, it demonstrates to the audience that you don't care about them. Right. You know, you're only, people can smell out real quickly. <laughs> you're communicating because you like to hear yourself or you're communicating with them because you, you want to develop a greater understanding. You want to create community, whatever it is. I think, you know, that is a very selfish way of communicating when we don't think about the audience we're presenting to. And sometimes it's to your point, it's an audience of one. And sometimes it's a full room of people and it lacks, um, it, it lacks kind of that social intelligence, social emotional intelligence to say, I'm going to present this in a way that the audience is going to understand and, and, and grasp. And if you don't do that, think about how, like, what kind of message that sends. Yeah. You, you make a good point that, it, and, and I think the two are, are intimately linked and maybe in another podcast, Kelly, we can talk about this in terms of, of how leadership comes out of this sense of caring. It is, it is a, you're looking to build that relationship in, in any communication, really. I don't know, I don't personally, I don't know that most people have the wherewithal to realize that every time they open their mouth or they sit in front of their desk and get ready to fire something off. But it's that, it, it, we, we do this because this is how we relate to each other, in, in re regardless of the technology. So when you're giving consideration to the audience, it is at a level of caring. Mm -hmm. Totally. And the other piece about this is, this is how you form relationships and build a base upon which you can be influential uh, and impactful for all the right reasons. And I, I you know, you, one probably sees it more often in years in which there are presidential debates for sure but it happens every day and you look at the you just think of the best leaders that you've seen they are not only pros at this they're great listeners and they speak in a way so that people just they i now now we're engaged. We're not, and I don't mean that we're agreeing with each other necessarily, but now we can have a real conversation because there's an understanding. I don't care whether I'm a Nobel Prize winning physicist talking to a group of first graders or talking to a group of other Nobel Prize winners. Without understanding the audience, your effectiveness and your leadership and your effective influence and impact are are diminished. <laughs> yeah, and immediately I go I go in my head to like, you know, when you're presenting or you, you've been in a room where someone is presenting and they'll say something and then they'll say, you know, who knows what that means? Or does everybody understand what that means? And who's gonna raise their hand? <laughs> exactly. No one, right? So we're all standing there scratching our heads. There, there's a better or a different way of asking that and understanding it. And I think it creates this air of superiority, if you will, um, 
And again, that's where nonverbals come come into play. And you've got to be able to spin your your conversation around differently to get at the audience in a different way. Uh, but that a lot of that, I think, Alan, comes from self-awareness. It comes from understanding how our words resonate with people. And that's where asking questions um, in, a, in a way that demonstrates care is so important because, again, nobody's going to tell you if they don't understand. What would you ask instead? What would be an example of a better question? Uh, so I think for, for me in those situations, um, I would say, you know what? I don't, I feel like I'm not explaining this really well because I'm seeing some nonverbals where folks look um, like they're, they're not understanding what I'm trying to convey here. What questions might you have about how this relates to you or relates to our work or relates to this decision um, that, I'm, that I am not articulating very well? Like putting it back on myself immediately creates a space where people don't feel threatened um, in, a, in a communicative environment. And I think the more you can train yourself to do that, it isn't about their lack of understanding, it's about your inability to communicate it well. Yeah. And so you've got to flip that around so people don't feel threatened uh, by what's being communicated and their lack of understanding. That's not on anybody except for me communicator and we've got to acknowledge that I think as leaders that you know it doesn't come down to somebody's lack of knowledge or uh, how smart they are it comes down to us yeah yeah I like that because I think it's easy to say well what are your questions Mm -hmm. you know I finish with my dissertation it's like okay so what are your questions uh, whereas you're not- Mr. Patterson, my question is, I don't get anything you just said. <laughs> I've actually had people tell me that. I have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah, thank God for those people. Um, so let's talk about then ways, concrete ways, Kelly, the, the, it, some recommendations that we could give. Uh, obviously, the first one is you got to know who you're talking to. You have to have what, what is, what are you talking? If you're the one initiating conversation or discussion, what are you talking? What's the purpose? What's the intent? And um, what are you asking the audience for? And how well do you understand their perspective? Not how well do they understand you? It's, it's you getting them, not them getting you. That's so, right. And the higher the stakes, the more that's important. If it's yeah. that, it, it's, it's, I mean, that's why I say, even with your own team, there may be things that you make assumptions about what people know. The good news is if you've told them, they can challenge you. Uh, and what I mean by that is they can ask you any question along the way. That's one thing. But in general, it, the onus, as you've said many times, the onus is on you, not on the audience. They have to, you have to understand them. It's not the other way around. Yeah, and it's it's not just knowledge-based. It's also people's past experiences. You know, a lot of our past experiences shape our impressions of, of today. And so it, you know, as I think about the environment I'm currently in, we've got, you know, a magnitude of locations and each audience is very different. They, their experiences, past and present, shape their ability to hear communication the way you intend it to be heard. And so 
you've got to really think about, you know, if you're creating, let's say, a, a presentation, you've got to think about that audience if you know the audience. I mean, a little bit different than when you're going to a conference, as an example, but with the audience you work with every day, how are people going to perceive this based on their past experience, their current situation, the climate, you know, um, the business climate, the world's climate? How is this message being? Could, could it potentially be interpreted? Yeah. It requires a lot of careful thought. It sure does. And, and you know, Kelly, as you're saying that, it, it, I, I realize that this is so important. People want to know that you're willing to understand them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And once you know that, then that you, you never not do that. <laughs> You never not think about what it would take. And uh, it's not an exact science, for sure. Yeah, no, and you, you'll, you'll over time by studying how people respond or don't respond, you, you kind of create this library and this catalog of the steps you need to take to make sure you're informed and prepared to deliver whatever message you're looking to deliver. I'd like to echo that as one of the big takeaways from our conversation today. I encourage people to think about is that level of preparation that's needed. Sometimes it's 20 seconds. Okay, how do I want to pitch this or who am I talking to? Or getting myself ready when I'm getting on a call that I know could be emotional. And sometimes it takes hours and days and that level of preparation. But it's so important if you want to make make your communication heard and understood. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Well, that's going to do it for today. I hope you will come back and join us for our final episode on common mistakes that leaders make in their communication. Come join me, Alan Patterson. Again, I'll have my colleague Kelly Norton with me. And um, I'll see you soon.